Welcome everyone to Goddard in the World podcast. This podcast is a project of Goddard Alumni Council, where we highlight Goddard alumni accomplishments out in the world. My name is Amanda Laxon, and I am one of your co-hosts here with Casey Corona. Hey, Casey. Hi, Amanda. How you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. This is our last episode of season one. What do you think about that? <laughs> we did it. We made it through the first season. We fucking did it. <laughs> no, I'm so excited. I'm so happy for all of their great episodes that we have uh, recorded and edited and published <laughs> like during this during this time, and so um, we're really excited to um, to have brought you this season. Uh, make sure you keep an eye on our podcast feed because we will be bringing you special episodes this summer, and we'll be back in the fall with brand new episodes. Uh, but today, our season finale is Sam Rebeline. Sam and I met in uh, here in New York. Uh, we went to to this great coffee shop in the West Village. Oh shoot, what is it called? Uh, Cafe Reggio, and it is um, it's on McDougal Street. I hope it's still on McDougal Street. It is like. I remember going there in college um, because it is like one of the places that people like Bob Dylan used to hang out at. Mm, <laughs> like, so very cool. it's like, yeah, it's like an Italian coffee shop. There's, it's just, it's just old and comfy and all of that. And so uh, Sam and I met there. I think I, I don't remember who introduced us, but somebody introduced us online because he, he had re been a recent graduate of Goddard and he wanted to get involved somehow with uh, the New York Goddard community. And uh, I think he was living in Brooklyn at the time. And so we, we just went there and we had like a really awesome chat and he's just such a good person, good dude, really fun to hang out with and talk with. And um, I thought he would be an awesome, he's, he's you, you will hear all about his writing, but um, he is, he is also like an amazing writer, like very accomplished and um, has a brand new agent and uh, just got into a PhD program. And so he's, He's got a lot of shit going on. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but um, I, I thought our conversation was really fun. What do you think, Casey? Yeah, Sam is uh, immensely talented. It's just very clear from the moment in which you start talking to him how – Wisdom beyond his years, maybe. I don't know. Maybe totally. I sound like an old man saying that, but it's just like wow. I know. You you feel the soul in him, um, and 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 a happy soul, and then a, a soul yeah. that can also talk about things that are um, in the horror realm and the connection with people, and um, just you know what that genre looks like and how how it's so. Um, you know, I really felt like I was talking to a, a next kind of Stephen King kind of style, and it's, just, <laughs> it's really it's really. Um, um, it's really a fun, interesting thing. I was transported to this this mm. Halloweeny kind of, but also this you know um, person who understands how that trauma exists in real life in the real world also. So yeah. it was really it was a really incredible um, eye opening experience for me to think about things not on a surface level with with writers and with horror writers and, and horror genre in particular, and how um, we can't judge a book by its cover and and how that talent mm. just um, covers comes off the page and so sam was yeah. really really engaging and it was it was a wonderful um wonderful interview for sure i can't wait for you to hear it 
Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Um, he, the way he thinks about horror as a genre, um, I think is super interesting, and I'm so excited for for all of you to hear it. So, without any further ado, here is our interview with Sam Rebeline. Welcome everyone to Goddard in the World podcast. Our guest today is Sam Rebeline. He is a graduate of the MFA in Creative Writing program at Goddard College. His work has previously appeared in Bourbon Pen, Planet Scum, Shimmer, Ellen Datlow's Best Horror of the Year, and elsewhere. Sam lives in Poughkeepsie, New York, and is currently a teacher, critic of horror films, and a writer. Welcome, Sam. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. Yeah, the last time that I met you, that I saw you, you were living here in Brooklyn, um, but you have moved since. I did. Uh, Well, the pandemic started, you know, uh, mid-March, and I was living with uh, a friend in Park Slope, um, and he was working at Fortune magazine at the time. So he was doing a lot of interviews in um, oh, wow. uh, and like working from home. And so I, I figured uh, between having the two of us sort of cramped and doing our like own Zoom work things in the apartment and also my family lives in Poughkeepsie or my, my nuclear family, both my parents. So I, I just went upstate to hang out with my mom for, <laughs> for a long weekend. Um, and now it's been um, over a year. So oh, wow. it's been a very long weekend, but <laughs> uh, it's been good. It's been it's been fun to have sort of this bonus here with my mom. And um, every time I think about, you know, oh, I should really get more work done today or I should be writing whatever, like nine times out of 10, the reason that I don't do those things or that I don't get as much done in a day as I want to is because I'm just hanging out with my mom. So it's it's nice, Aww. you know, um, it's it's been a fun time, but I'm also ready to do something else. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it is really hard. Um I I I I'm still here in New York. Um and whenever I do go home or to Tallahassee where my mom lives, even though that's not my childhood home, it's it's hard to be an adult <laughs> in that yeah. space, you know, like and try to like do your creative work and do do all of that stuff. Um your childhood home, I think. Yeah, well, and I think the creative work, you know, uh, bleeds into everything else. You know, the times that I feel the most creative and the most ready to sit down and work are the times that I'm like, okay, I like exercise, took a shower, made myself some food, uh, mm-hmm. did this other thing. And at any point of that, if that's sort of taken away or done for me, like I come out of the shower and mom's like, oh, I've made you lunch. I'm like, ah, now this sort of, that's really nice <laughs> of you. But now this sort of ladder towards like productivity that I've been building to myself is like missing a run, right. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> so it is that weird feeling of being an adult in, in your parents' house. You're like, oh, this is really great. Um, but also very bizarre, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to slide into that, like, uh, not taking care of yourself in other ways. Like, <laughs> you know, oh, you can make me dinner and then I'll just watch TV, you know? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, they're, um, and they're also saying, you know, people in their... 
30s are now, you know, in their 20s and in their 30s are going back home, right, with with the economic challenges based upon COVID or for other reasons. And this is a there's a harken back to the recession that occurred in 2009 with the financial crisis as well. So, you know, but there's some nice, um, interesting elements and benefits to that also. I mean, connecting with family again and being being centered that way is really important also. So it's like it, it disrupts. But you know, the challenges with that also comes with some benefits. Obviously, your mom making you lunch sounds awesome, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing to, um, you know, not not really complain about because I don't want to, like, no, complain no. about it, really. But it's definitely a weird space to be in, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, priding yourself on, like, especially in a place like Brooklyn. I feel like that's really mm-hmm. a place that I prided myself on, on carving out a, a little bit of life it, just because everyone's so like falling all over each other all the time. It's just so crowded and and packed and you cut out your own little corner of it. Um, And then that goes away and you're sort of like, Oh, okay. I don't know. It's just, it's just been a very interesting year. Suffice it to say. Yeah. It's been nice to be back in nature again. And we have this um, Mm -hmm. bush right by the window um, where I read in the mornings. And um, there are these two little birds that are like nesting there now. So it's like that kind of stuff that you would miss in in Brooklyn. And I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. it's nice to be back here after a while. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the uh, fourth floor of a walk up in East Harlem <laughs> and the most nature that I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when at the beginning of the pandemic, I would be smoking um, in mm-hmm. the kitchen, which is where the fire escape is. And so I would watch the tree outside of the, <laughs> my kitchen window, like, uh, like outside of the fire escape start blooming i'm like oh Oh. yeah time passing interesting that's sort of nice that's a nice like sort of window to have it is i i thought that i should document it via photo but you know we were had a lot of other shit going on but a photography project was not top of mind yeah yeah fair enough so did you grow up in poughkeepsie like from childhood? Uh, I did most of my growing up in Poughkeepsie. I was born yeah. in Minnesota, around the Twin Cities area, and most of my family uh, still lives in Minnesota and sort of around that area, too. We moved to um, sort of the D.C. area when I was about three. Um, my dad worked in the, <laughs> I think, the Treasury Department and then we lived in Ohio for a bit. Uh, and wow. Ohio was really, you know, we lived sort of in the suburbs around Cincinnati. And that was really interesting and exciting to me in a lot of ways. Well, first of all, we had a huge backyard, which is really great for, you know, creativity and, and so like mm. making up stories and, and shit. Can, can I swear a little bit? I, is that yeah, okay you that can, I said we, shit? I, 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 have, okay. I have specifically labeled this E, so, <laughs> just in case, because I know I swear. So. All right. Fucking good. Um, yeah, no. um, <laughs> we, we had a huge backyard in Ohio, um, and I was an only child, so a lot of my playing was just okay. like by myself and like making oh. up stories in that backyard, which was really great. And then it... That you know, it was just, just big suburban sprawl, just like a lot of concrete um, and like highways and throughways and shit like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So when we moved to New York and my dad got a job teaching at um, Vassar College, it felt like this sort of mysterious, like foresty fantasy land mm-hmm. to eight year old me, um, mm-hmm. just because I wasn't so used to that many trees and like sure. um, 
you know, the Hudson and, and things like that. It, yeah, right from the get-go, I really loved living in the Hudson Valley. It just felt like a place mm. of power and mystery and also like sort of a claustrophobia. <laughs> and oh. um, my mom talks about this too, you know, um, in the Midwest, you can see the weather coming because it's flat right. enough that you're like, right. okay, there's a storm that's going to be here in three days or whatever. Yeah, like we'll start thinking about that on Tuesday. Um <laughs> But uh, in, I was just thinking like hours. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a total, yeah, wow. um, total so exaggeration. But um, like, <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I think that uh, influenced a lot of my writing and my storytelling that mm. the woods felt like, uh, I don't know, just a complex place. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, darkness and, and fear there, especially driving around the Hudson Valley at night, but a lot of like, I don't know, like beauty to it as well, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but I also felt like that beauty was sort of dark. I mean, the beauty that people talk about in um, upstate and the Hudson Valley particularly is like a, a fall autumn beauty, right. you know? And so you you go upstate to watch things die, basically. You're like, <laughs> look at all the fall colors, <laughs> you know? Oh, um, that's so interesting. And uh, so I, I think that sort of needled its way into my eight-year-old consciousness, like, right away. And I was reading a lot of Goosebumps at the time, you know? So, ah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I moved to Poughkeepsie when I was eight. Um, and uh, I went to college at Vassar so I lived here for, um, you know, most of my life. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So your, your goosebumps, R.L. Stein. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. my sister, my younger sister, she always, she read a bunch of goosebumps. I, I could pick it up, but I got scared a lot when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, like I was scared of the count on Sesame Street. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> like when he would do his lap. My parents, my, I mean, my my whole family, my younger nephew, who is eight, also makes fun of me <laughs> for this. <laughs> because they're like, oh, I heard you were scared of the count. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, yeah, so I couldn't take that. <laughs> my my poor little childhood self had a, had had some challenges with, like, the dark <laughs> and scary things. But, um. What drew you to to horror? I mean, I know that's a huge oh part gosh. of your history and writing now. Yeah, well, I and I think it's funny that horror is like the only genre that people will ask why you like that. Like if you that's like rom-coms, yeah. no one will yeah. be like, oh, why do you like rom-coms? Or even like fantasy or sci-fi, you know, even the closer mm -hmm. you get to horror, nobody's like, mm -hmm. oh, why do you like fantasy, nerd? Right. Um, you know, it, but horror is that one that feels like it demands an explanation. You're like, <laughs> so you spent the afternoon watching people die. Why? Why did you do that? <laughs> um, and should I be afraid of you? You know, like that's, right. and that's sort of the other piece that's under it. But I, I think that, I mean, I was a very scared kid growing up. Um, when I was four, I, you know, we had this glass front door and I stuck my hand through it and um, I sliced open mm. the muscles and nerves and shit in my armpit. And to this mm -hmm. day, still can't really move all the fingers on my left hand. Um, oh, wow. And so just picked up a lot of fears from that. And like other interactions, you know, I had uh, a neighbor that I played with sometimes who was a, a dick to me. Um, and so there were just like enough interactions that I had that were 
uh, it, like fuels that sort of fear of stuff just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think horror um, and sort of spooky things in general were an easy way, an easy and safe way to address some of those fears. Sure. Um, and especially horror movies in like sort of the end of middle school until like the beginning of high school were a really easy way to, you know, have a safe environment to experience mm-hmm. fear um, mm-hmm. and uh, address it. Mm-hmm. And I got really into um, sort of the, the first like, horror thing that i really liked was um was the saw movies and (laughs) i like you know i went from zero to 60 i was like confronting fears we're gonna um but i i don't know exactly what drew me to those um Mm -hmm. i uh, i think i enjoyed sort of the honesty of scary stories in general, you know, I mm. felt like, you know, like I said, growing up in Poughkeepsie, you sort of feel the the darkness at the fringes of uh, the woods and everything. Um, right. <clears throat> and there's also sort of a decay to the area. Um, you know, not that the area is dying, it's, you know, it's still alive and well, but uh, it was really booming in like the turn of the century, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, all those ports of like Hudson was a, a really, right. really booming town and all this stuff. Um, and so to feel the sort of like remnants that have been left behind by that and all the weird ruins that are still in the woods, you know, I, I felt like there was something out there and horror felt like the one sort of area where stories would be honest about there being something out there um, mm-hmm. or people being terrible, you know, um, mm-hmm, horror mm-hmm. felt like the, the one area where you could be like, yeah, I, people are people can be terrible, you know? So I think there was something really comforting in that from uh, a really early age that there was a type of story that I could go to. And, and even the mere act of going there made me braver than other people Mm -hmm. in a way, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So even though I like was afraid of playing sports, I could still watch saw and like (laughs) have that one up on uh, whatever, (laughs) you know, um, So, yeah, that was definitely a large part of it. And I think that's definitely been true the last year or so, too, that it's been a a sort of a safe way to experience the fear and the sadness um, and everything else that's come with the last uh, 12 months, you know. Um, And uh, so that's been sort of our, our household now. My mom will watch the news and we'll get stressed and then I'll go watch a horror movie deal with my stress there you know um, <laughs> and uh so yeah i don't know I, I think just that honesty was was really big for me and um but it, but it took a while i mean i remember you know i said saw was one of my favorite things in in like high school but in like seventh grade i remember the third saw movie was coming out and i was too scared okay. to go to the movies because i didn't want to see even a trailer for that movie oh. like i was still sort of dealing with those fears of the world and um in a lot of different ways so wow sam i, I you know just being you for the first time now um i know this is an audio podcast but we're also um doing this video uh streaming through zoom as well just to help give us our body language and stuff but you know you seem, you know, from first impressions, right, from from the book of the opening cover, right, trying not to do that, but you seem like a really fun, <laughs> engaging guy. I'm an only child, too, and I'm outgoing, and, you know, there's oh, all nice. the sort of first impressions I'm having, you know, and then we're diving in 
to this horror element, you know, and maybe you can just quickly address the idea of breaking down those stereotypes of what people might automatically assume about someone who is into horror or somebody, you know, that's perceived to be that kind of way. Um, And all, you know, and how that might, you know, what possibilities are there for people to write or to view or to act or to think around on that concept and identity of being into horror and fear and getting courageous out of that and what that really looks like. Because for someone like me who really is into horror, but I'm just this happy-go-lucky guy mostly, I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's just not somewhere I want to jump into. And this is the type of person that's into that, which obviously isn't always the case. So could you just yeah. like expand on that a little bit, Sam, and, and what that really uh, – yeah i can think about for yourself Um, yeah i I, that's a great question i really appreciate you saying that too because i think that uh, almost every horror author i've met and and talked to and worked with has been a really kind empathetic person uh Mm -hmm. and i think that that's sort of a requirement for writing horror in a way because you spend a lot of time getting into the headspace of people who well getting into the headspace of other people in general and with horror especially you spend a lot of time in the heads of people who like you should not be in their head you know uh, like just terrible <laughs> awful people and i think that that gives you a great sense of uh, an even greater sense of empathy as a horror fan and as a horror writer because it gives you a sense that there is something sympathetic in these characters and there can be something sympathetic in everybody even though they might be a douchebag or whatever um mm. you know so i think that when you're talking to someone who writes horror or is a horror fan there's probably a, a pretty genuine kindness there um, that you should be aware of. And, and I think that that goes back to so many other conversations and debates over, you know, like video games, like the people who play violent video games are going to grow up and kill people. Like if that were true, we'd have millions of mass murderers on our hands, <laughs> right. you know, like everybody right. would be killing people. But that was such a great outlet to deal with so many of my own frustrations and anxieties mm-hmm. growing up playing video games and watching horror. So I think that might be the other thing to be uh, sort of aware of when you're talking to someone who says they're a horror fan and you sort of do that step back, like, oh, um, is that you are likely dealing with someone who has a lot of anxiety or Mm. a a lot of um, introvertedness or whatever it might be. And horror is their outlet in that way. Um, Mm. You know, horror is, uh, and this sort of feels like a cliche, but it's certainly true that horror is your space to deal with those feelings and uh, I don't know, grapple with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially true crime too, you know, true crime is a sort of like weird sub branch of horror and that like, <laughs> and especially with true crime, I feel like you talk to people who are into true crime and everyone's like, Oh, really? Uh, you like that? Um, but true crime, I think also has this um, other idea sort of attached to it that like, not only are you in that safe space where you can experience those anxieties and whatever, but they can also help you like prepare for your own situations, like in the back mm-hmm. of your head, like, mm-hmm. no, this person got attacked when they were doing this thing. So when I'm doing mm-hmm. that thing, I'll like keep an extra eye in the back of my head or whatever. But I think what I sort of learned about myself in my first semester at Goddard, um, when I was really starting to dive into writing horror, is that a lot of these 
or, or a lot of the the reason that I was able to write horror was because I was already in that headspace a lot of the time, which is why I say like you're probably dealing with someone who has anxiety because I already had the head to look at something and think about how it was going to go wrong. You know, whether that mm, was a relationship or just driving home from work or whatever, that thing was already in my head. That's like you're going to crash. You're this person's going to to dump you or whatever, you know, don't trust stuff. Um, mm. and I think that distrust really translates to writing horror well, because you're already there, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that I'm working on this uh, story now, actually, that was all just like that space, you know, driving home from something late at night and thinking like, how is this going to go wrong? You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how am I going to get stuck on this road or like, what's going to eat me or whatever. I th- and I think that's true for a lot of people who enjoy horror or write horror is that you already have that in your head, right? So if you're seeing that on the screen or, or reading that or whatever, there's just something familiar about it and cozy, you know, there's just something cozy about it. So, yeah, I, I think that that's, those are the the big things I would say that people don't necessarily think about with um, horror folk. Um, they're probably mm-hmm. really empathetic and kind and probably already have a lot of anxiety or whatever. Um, that they're translating into their work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely have had, like, I went on a date with someone and, you know, told her, oh, I'm a writer, I write spooky stuff. And um, then on our second date, she was like, yeah, I almost didn't come because my friends told me that you were going to kill me. And I was oh my like, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, well, hey, thank you for coming. Uh, let me buy you a beer. It's very nice. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, and secondly, um, you know, if I was going to kill you, I wouldn't do it here. There's a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know? And, another person, um, we had been on a few dates and then I sent her something that I had written and, um, she just never wrote back. And I was like, oh, mm. that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. So. It is interesting. I mean, okay. I, I, I will say, first of all, that girlfriends, like w- like women tell their girlfriends, like we, we have our own sort of things that we like uh, fail safes to try to, you know, stay alive during dates. So that's just like a oh my society God. thing. Yeah, right? of course. And I was like <laughs> twice her size, right? So if right. there is any chance that there could be some shenanigans of course you got to call it out um but yeah i mean i think that just because someone is a horror writer (laughs) doesn't doesn't mean that they're going to kill you um and uh my husband my husband is huge into horror and that's how i have seen horror stuff now like because I never had watched The Exorcist. I, you know, all of these like kind of classic Carrie. I had never watched this Carrie, stuff, and he yeah. saw the, all this stuff when he was like a kid. And I don't, mm. I will, I will not attempt to psychoanalyze his like <laughs> reasonings behind it. Yeah. Um, Silence of the Lambs is one of his favorite movies, and um, you know, for you know, if I knew that when we were like. You know, if it was before I had ever dated him and he was talking about Silence of the Lambs, then that might have been a little like, ah, you know, just because of the nature of that specific movie yeah. and women and being Lord and all of that. But, um, sure, but I, have, yeah. <laughs> I have girlfriends now who are obsessed with true crime. They love it. And I mean, Saturday Night Live did this song recently that was talking about that like all the girls like Kate McKinnon and and all of the you know women of Saturday Night Live 
podcast, we're talking about how obsessed they are with true crimes. And it's like a real thing. Like women, I don't know what it is. Like, I think like you were saying, like maybe a lot of women are, they're into this or interested in this idea of like, how do we not put ourselves in that situation? Yeah. How do you, how do I not die in whatever weird situation that might come up? Right. Um, Right. And, uh, but I also think I, this is not a smooth transition, but um, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about the people having to justify why they like horror, why they write horror. And I don't remember, maybe you know, but I don't remember. Uh, there was this documentary and Stephen King was a talking head on it. Hmm. And he was talking about horror being the last or like the the only genre where you receive an immediate experience of mm. f- like That's fear or whatever it is you know i mean it's usually fear right because comedy is not always translatable you know like mm. people laugh at different things drama is very analytical but there is an immediate experience that you have usually with horror and like you were saying it it is a safe container to explore our fears and anxieties and insecurities. And so I I do find it interesting that way. Well, yeah. And it's interesting to compare it to comedy because like you said, not everybody laughs at the same things, but not everybody is afraid of the same things too. So there are horror stories that people really enjoy that I feel sort of lukewarm on and vice versa. Mm. You know, like medical horror is something that's really scary to me. Like, Mm. and more so than like a Texas chainsaw massacre, like uh, some dude with a chainsaw can cut me up and that's fine. Um, But... (laughs) um, you know, don't, I mean, don't do it. Don't uh, just, like broadcast everybody. Not looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but someone who really knows how to pick you apart and like can, yeah. like has access to things like can put you under and render you helpless yeah. in a way that um, a dude with a chainsaw could not um, right. is, is really frightening to me. Totally. Um, and so, yeah. Sam, could you talk a little bit about, we're talking about comedy, you know, and how that, you know, this is a little bit of a transition here with Amanda talking about that, but there's a lot of comedy in horror, right? There's a lot that ends up happening, whether it's in movies or, I mean, in some ways, comedy is sort of an underbelly sometimes that exists on a subtextual level, I think, sometimes with horror, um, based upon yeah. whether it's something that's real or not, or where fear comes, or to alleviate that fear, so... You know, and not really a horror fan, um, but a big comedy fan. Can you just talk a little bit about that crossover, whether that appeals to you, whether you kind of ignore that in your writing, or, you know, what that really means in terms of that subtextual underlining of of where comedy sort of is involved in horror and gore and that kind of stuff? Well, I think that both genres really depend on that catharsis, right? Like, you need Mm -hmm. the the buildup and the release. And that's an interesting way that I think King puts it, that it's an immediate response, right? Like, you Mm -hmm. have the buildup. And whether that's tension or like the setup, it's you're still coming up in the energy and then you need that catharsis and release. Mm-hmm. And when it's not present, you can really feel it. Like I saw a really shitty horror movie the other week with a friend and, you know, these kids were on a uh, like a hill and this log rolled down the hill and crushed this one dude and the camera cut away before you see it crush him. And we were both like, I can't believe that it didn't show him getting crushed. That's like sure. you cut away before the set of the, the punchline, you know, um, yeah. like we're only here to watch people die, but, you know, like, um, <laughs> obviously, obviously. Um, <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, so I think that comedy and horror go really well hand in hand just because they are those two genres that rely on that sort of um, like visceral body reaction. Uh, Mm. And maybe that's why horror uh, and comedy too, like people poo poo uh, comedy a a lot, not as much as horror, but I think that it does get a bad rap. So yeah, I, I think that comedy and horror always works really well um, because the whole time in either story, you're just geared up to have some kind of release. And mm-hmm. so it's always really exciting in a story when you don't know if that release is going to be a laugh or something startling. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I, I just watched this movie last night called Murder Party, which was sort of a horror comedy. And that it was so well-written and so fascinating that my like, friend and I watched it over Zoom um, that whole time we were just like, oh, what's like waiting to exhale. Um, mm. The surprise of never knowing if that exhale is going to be something funny or something horrifying is was really fun. Um, and I actually got my start in writing comedy. Oh, okay. In high school and college, uh, I did a lot of sketch comedy and improv and, and theater. So a lot of my writing up until the end of college, when I tried to dedicate myself more to horror, was really about trying to get people to laugh. Um, mm. I think... Uh, once I felt like I could do that fairly well after a few years, then I was like, okay, now it'd be more interesting to get people to scream, you know, Um, let's do the next thing, you know? And I remember my senior year of college put on a a horror play that I had written. Um, and I got that reaction, like opening night we had, um, I guess it was the second night, um, but we had a pretty full house. Um, and there was this one moment when everybody screamed and I was like, yeah, that's, that's the good stuff. <laughs> that's um, awesome. So mm. yeah, I, I think it's just something about that release, you know, when I think about watching any other particular genre, there's not something that I've come there to release, you know, it's like, this is mm-hmm. a fun sci-fi concept, whatever, but th- there's no element of that catharsis in there in, in the same way. Um, right. So, yeah, I don't know. That's sort of my long-winded Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. Were you studying writing at Vassar? Uh, yeah, I majored in English and education. So okay. um, there wasn't necessarily – I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think that there's like a creative writing degree that you can get at Vassar. But now that okay. I'm saying that, that might be a thing. As whatever you know what i'm <laughs> gonna say i'm gonna say that's casually that did. there isn't yeah <laughs> um so yeah that's somebody that i was just english um i did do a creative thesis that started as a horror novel um okay. and sort of turned into uh just a sad novella <laughs> it's like the <laughs> beginning of the novel was like this family loses somebody and then you know there's monsters and i just cut the monsters mm-hmm. and was like it's just about oh. loss um Okay. Yeah, I don't know. So you're like, oh, <laughs> nice. Um, really fun. Yeah. Um, but so, so what? What? What is it that led you to Goddard? And like, when did you? When did you seek it out? Was it re- right after Vassar or or what? Yeah. Uh, well, after Vassar, um, I spent that fall semester. So I graduated in May, and then I spent that fall semester getting certified and doing my student teaching. Okay. Um, and I worked with my 12th grade English teacher, which was really great. Ooh, um, that's exciting. Yeah, it was really fun and like, you know, of course, bizarre in all the ways that you would expect, like the couple times we got a drink after work and he'd be like, let me buy you a beer. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was like, call me Dan. Still- 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're still calling him Mr. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was weird to me because I was 22, you know, and yeah. the, I was working with uh, his high school, his uh, 12th grade students. So the difference in age between us was very, there was a very small gap. Small, yeah. And so to feel like I had any kind of expertise or, or like, you know, any kind of ground to stand on to like have authority over them felt very right. strange. So it was a, it was a really awesome experience, but very bizarre. So I did that. Um, and then I was in, I had no idea what to do with myself next. I, I ended up taking a two month trip around the country on Amtrak. Um, okay. I had worked the summer job and saved up oodles of money and then nice. dumped it all on this trip somewhere along the line. I, so I went, like went all the way around the perimeter of the country. And when I hit, um, Texas. I, okay. I forget exactly how it started, but I, I had known um, Derek Cloud for a long time. Um, her kids and I went to school together, and she was a um, playwright professor at Goddard um, okay. on the Vermont campus. I guess she worked on the Townsend campus too, but uh, she had to, you know, I, I knew of Goddard through her. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I guess the next thing would be to have you know some kind of mfa or something i don't know and then so i started looking at programs um and goddard just seemed really nice and somehow mysterious you know um Mm. like looking at the website for any other mfa program i felt like the site is like come here and learn and do good and get published and um look how many awards our alumni have won um and goddard was like come to goddard you know come on over. Uh, and so it just felt like <laughs> a totally different vibe. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. um, so I ended up like in this Airbnb in El Paso talking on the phone to David DeLuca. Of yeah, course you did. Cause just, that's Goddard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was just an Airbnb yeah. in El Paso talking to David DeLuca. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why I say it too. Cause everybody has their own like weird specific thing where you're like, yeah, I was doing this thing and it just came to me, you know, yeah. um, then I applied while I was still on the trip or actually that's not right. I, um, cause I was so unsure of what I wanted to do. And the deadline mm-hmm. was like the end of the day on the 15th, whatever okay. it was. Um, and it was like four 30 on the 15th. And I was like, do I submit this application? Like, I really don't know what I'm doing with my life. Um, mm. And David DeLuca emailed me and he was like, Hey, we're almost closing for the day. Uh, you're submitting your oh, application. Right. No. And I was like, I gotta do it. So applied and then of course got the call from Elena and um, that was it. So I drove to, cause it's about a four and a half hour drive from Poughkeepsie to the Vermont campus. Okay. And um, I drove, I, I just had a feeling that something was going to happen, you know, um, mm. and I got to the campus and I was there early. So none of my other co like nobody was there really yet. It, you know, being on that campus when it's sort of empty or just like, whoa, um because the campus has a life of its own that it's like it's so bizarre and like i don't know how to explain that to anybody who hasn't been there or hasn't felt it but you're just like yeah sam when i knew we were going to talk with you i wanted to ask you the specific question about residency right so amanda and i were talking about (laughs) doing a residency show later and we might need to bring you on for that part of that but um you know i am a horror writer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or someone who's interested in horror going to Goddard campus when residency isn't in session, or even if it is, like the Vermont campus is a unique 
interesting and a little spooky at times, yeah. for sure, in a cool way. So can you talk about that kind of feeling about being on campus? And also, maybe was it inspirational at times for your writing and stuff? Because even as an educator, I was like, wow, this is like a progressive education campus in the central of Vermont. It's like the weirdest spot ever to like feel this kind of, oh, but it also makes total sense. So can you talk about as a writer and specifically a horror writer being on campus? I was like, oh, this is going to resonate just being in residence. Sam, (laughs) I want to hear about his sort of feelings about that. Yeah. I mean, the campus really wraps around you in a nice way. I mean, you just Mm -hmm. feel it opening to whatever your particular vibe is. And I think that there's a darkness there. I was sort of talking about this with some fellow students during a residency that like, it's such an open, welcoming atmosphere that, of course, it draws, like, if you believe in ghosts and spirits and whatever, and I do, you know, um, mm-hmm. who am I to say there's not shit out there? Like, sure. um, but I think that because it is such an open, welcoming vibe, that it must draw other darker parasitic spirits to it as well you know and you can kind of feel that sort of at the edges of the campus that if you're not Mm -hmm. careful um you you can get preyed Mm -hmm. upon by something some negativity or or something you know and that sounds like a stephen king story you're just like yeah absolutely you you know (laughs) the spirits know that everyone here is really nice um your next uh, short story your next short story in the middle of nowhere (laughs) Yeah. yeah But I remember on the night after our graduation, um, you know, everyone's hanging out. We're drinking and whatever. One of the guys in my cohort um, was like, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to go down to the music room. And he said that he stood in front of the door of the music room and he was like, all right, I can tell that it doesn't that if I go in, it's going to be bad, basically. Mm. Um, And he was like, so if the door opens right now, I'll go in. And if it doesn't, I'll leave. And the door didn't open. So he just left. But he later was like, yeah, I just didn't. I felt like if that building ever caught you alone, you'd be in trouble. And that's certainly the feeling that I have had in the music room by myself at night. Where you're Uh just like, oh, fuck. Especially in that basement. You're just like, this is spooky. And even though it, it is such a place of love and all of my memories from uh like anywhere on campus are amazing um Mm -hmm. and you can feel like the love literally written on the walls everyone's like i was here you know um and i wrote on those walls and like but there's something about it that feels negative too and i think that that's really intriguing because i don't quite know what it is (laughs) and i think maybe it is i just it, it yeah it maybe is just that feeling of like because everyone is so open and i feel like every other story you hear about goddard is like i met my wife at goddard and we're married 45 years because everyone is such a raw nerve that maybe it it, you know does draw that negative energy as well well well, Um, yeah it's also got the it's also got the um you know the uh history to it you know here's this radical place that has a lot of history to the back end to it, right? Where they were pushing yeah. the boundaries of that of that campus and that residency and against sort of convictional wisdom before it was even a college on that space. You know, they've got the tree farm, which is the huge trees oh out in God. the sort of area where it's like, you know, very foresty and very, you know, you know, dark in that kind of space. You know, I remember a couple of things, right? They've got the timber that came down from Boston from one of the witch trials, in one oh of the old God, buildings. I, love I don't know that. if you know that. Yeah, right? So maybe yeah. remember from the witch trial. I forgot about that. Bats flew in to kill Patrick when I was there, you know? Um, <laughs> my door opened up and bats flew in. Um, I remember going walking in the woods to the library and it's just so dark and quiet and peaceful. 
But yeah, yeah, there's just this this sort of sense on campus where you're like, yeah, there's so much community and love. And I think you're right, Sam. It's probably the openness of that, that there's also sort of this idea of what what is so what is so spirit filled, I would say, in a way that, that, yeah. that invites all of that in in different ways. And I don't know about you, Amanda. I'm sure you and you, Sam, as well. You feel this kind of energy, but you also feel like the the imagery of being there still 10 years later with me. And I'm not sure how long ago you were there, Sam, but 10 years later, it still just powerfully resonates in my mind. I can close my eyes and I'm on campus. And um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, yeah I, was, I was just wondering if that, that was like inspirational for you for as a writer, you know, I, I was always inspirational for me. And I think Amanda as well, was, being on campus was inspirational. I was wondering for you. Yeah, well, I came to uh, Goddard planning to write a horror memoir. My idea was that- oh, wow. You know, one of the big uses for horror that I really like is the way that it can be a metaphor for something else. You know, um, like people, uh, I feel like a big one people talk about is the Babadook. Uh, and the Babadook is is very easily a metaphor for grief and loss and, and mm-hmm. pain and anger, just dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And not to spoil it, but at the end of the movie, she's like, she doesn't kill the dark stuff, but she keeps it in the basement, which feels pretty mm-hmm. accurate. You know, you can never mm-hmm. kill your depression or your whatever, but you can put it in another room. And, and you have to feed it. She feeds it worms. <laughs> like You feed it worms every so often. So I entered Goddard very much in a space of... Um, uh, I, I entered with a sense of openness uh, and not really knowing what I was going to write. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew that this was my idea. I, I wanted to explore some of those themes. And so immediately feeling the open atmosphere... I don't know if this was necessarily inspiration, but it inspired. It, and then I said inspired. <laughs> I don't know if I felt inspired, but I felt inspired to be open. Um, You're a great it, writer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I also love when anytime a writer will be like, I don't know how to describe it to you. And you're like, yeah, but that's your job. So Yeah. Um, oh, I do that but, all the time. Like, I, I, I talk about writing and then I just use the same words like over and over again. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, so I, the main inspiration was to be open about um, my experiences and the reasons why I was writing a memoir, uh, everything else that was attached to it, because I I realized that everyone else had their own story and their own deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it felt like that that was the main inspiring thing to me as a writer was that just everybody was having their own day and open about having their own day. Um, And you could do with that what you like and you could talk about you know your stories openly in class you know i remember mm-hmm. um like and i'm sort of tiptoeing around it but i'll, I'll just uh, say it um, i so the first day of class you know i was in this memoir writing class with uh, michael klein and uh he was like okay you know it's a huge room full of people that i don't really know um and he's like okay why don't we um talk about you know you're all here to write a memoir presumably um so why don't we all say what we're writing a memoir about uh, mm. and well you know and i was like all right well now's the time to do it you know and he he's like oh does that sound good to everybody why don't we start with you and points at me oh man <laughs> um, and so i was like uh my name is sam i'm here to write a memoir i you know when i was about six i was um molested by a neighbor and so I want to write about my experiences of uh, sexual abuse and in a horror format and deal with like, you know, uh, anytime I felt triggered instead of like writing, I was triggered. Maybe there's spiders. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, 
And uh, the idea of doing that and even saying that on this podcast, you know, um, I would never think of in another vibe. Um, And of course, afterwards, like other people came up to me and were like, oh my God, I like have experiences too with uh, abuse or assault or whatever. But that felt like the power of Goddard to be able Mm. to say openly, here's my story. And to immediately, like you talk about the immediate response of the story, to immediately see the effect of that, to Mm. immediately have other people come up and say, uh, me too, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I didn't mean to be like, me too. Um, But it's it's actually very appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And um, that felt. Uh, I mean, of course, immensely powerful. And um, the, uh, I think just in general, my inspiration as a writer during residency was these little pieces of confirmation that you would get because you have so many curious, insightful brains in a room that like, I, you know, I wrote this short play and it went up at take 10. And there was one line in there that I really liked, but I was like, no one's going to notice that one piddly line of dialogue in this 10 minute play. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course someone came up to me afterwards and was like, I really liked that line. That was a really subtle, like whatever. Uh, mm. And so that just felt like the space that you were in at Goddard that you could do and, and, and be anything that it would matter immediately. Yeah. So I don't know if there was anything specific about the campus that I was like, oh, although the book that I'm working on now does have some like cursed wood that goes out into Mm. the world. So probably that idea of like the witch wood got into my brain, Um, (laughs) you know, undoubtedly. But yeah, I think my my main inspiration as a writer during residency was just being around other fucking people. Like, yeah. You know, which year, what year did you graduate? I graduated 2019. Um, and I, oh, wow. So I was pretty recent. Um, yeah. and I started in 2017. So I was, I was just there for the four semesters. I didn't. Wow. Look at you. I was a six semester person, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like most people, like most people do take another semester. Um, yeah. Or, whatever for I whatever did, I reason did it early you know. I actually took three instead of four I had to go oh, quick well, because well, I, was trying well, to well, I was I was trying to do certification I was being hardcore about it and then that didn't work obviously because I was like oh no this is way too my whole mind's changed about education and community ed so I'm just gonna write my thesis on community ed and then I had this empty semester was just, yeah you know how god it is you grow you change yeah. you know people take more mm-hmm. you know they go for different times so for sure oh my god and i totally ditched that memoir idea i was like yeah, i'm was clearly not ready to to write about my childhood <laughs> abuse mm. um yeah. yeah so it shifted into a collection of short horror stories um okay. which is the thing that um, I then fixed up and started sending to agents and just got picked up mm. by an agent um, this month. So, Yay. Yeah. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, I saw that on social media. You just yeah. got signed with an agent. Mm-hmm. So exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, the, and it's this collection, do you know when it's going to be coming out or oh, they're man. still sending it out, right? Yeah, it's still really early stages. Um, mm-hmm. We just signed on. I talked to her on the 4th, um, and we made our official announcement just last Thursday. Um, yeah. So my draft is due back to her in like a week and a half. Um, okay. And then she'll, you know, see how that is, and then we'll send it around. So it's it's really like still very, very early stages. But that feels like, yeah, you know, even graduating from Goddard, I still didn't really have a sense of like just how long the publishing journey is. 
Um, right. You know, you get the idea and you're like, that's great. And then you feel good about the idea. And now you're off to the races, you feel like, right. And then you finish the thing and then you revise the thing. And it's like every step of the way, you're like, I did it. Um, and then there's just <laughs> another thing. So like yeah. even getting the agent, I was like, that's awesome. I worked my ass off for like a year and a half to querying. I queried almost 50 different agents. Uh-huh. Um, and I finally like put myself in the right place at the right time and snagged one. Um, and I'm still at the beginning of the journey. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of like life. So, yeah, I'm kind of like life, you know, yeah. always. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, that is the the thesis and parts of it have been published here and there. It was a story that was in Bourbon Pen right before graduation. That was really fun. Oh, so wow. I got to like, bring my contributor copy and I was like, if you like that, you can buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you can spend um, money on it. <laughs> yeah, give me your dollars. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, that's um, awesome. No, yeah. that's so great. So you are, you're currently revising your short your short stories, your collection of short stories. So those are not going to be anthologized anymore, right? Um, yeah, I would assume not. Um, the mm-hmm. one that came out in Bourbon Pen um, was in last year's Best Horror of the Year. Um, oh, oh wonderful. Yeah, um, which was really fun. Yeah, I. it's interesting. I feel like there's a lot of different uh, sort of... I don't know, uh, ideas or notions about what exactly from a short story collection can be published beforehand. Like I had sort mm-hmm. of thought it, it, you should have like half of the stories in there to prove that they're marketable. Okay. Um, but then my agent was like, no, it's really more like two or three because you don't want to publish too much because then publishers are afraid that there's no real reason to buy the book if your stuff's really right. out there. Um, and I've heard other opinions from other people. So I think I'll probably just sit on it uh, for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to always hear that there's like different takes or different ideas about what sure. exactly from a collection should be anthologized. I don't know. Right. Are you working on other stuff right now? New st- I mean, you you have alluded to to stuff, but yeah. Uh, so I've I just finished uh, another collection. I did um, a few sort of like fun self published things at the beginning of the pandemic. I had a bunch mm-hmm. of stories that were not horror. There, so they, I felt like they were sort of off brand, and they were okay. uh, not getting published anywhere else. So it was like, screw it, I'll just throw them into a collection myself. I'll do it myself. Um, yeah, that was really fun. Th- those that were, fun. Um, yeah, those were closer to the kinds of stories that I used to write before uh, I got into horror. And I feel like maybe closer to what my heart is really drawn to about writing. You know, I think that with writing, you're like, really your only goal is to write something that you would be stoked about as a high schooler. You know, something that feels fresh and awesome and uplifting to you Mm -hmm. at 18. Like any kind of narrative that you felt like you were missing at 17 Mm -hmm. or 18, you have a chance now to do that for yourself, whatever that looks like. And the other side of that too is like whatever, because also being in like an only child and a 17 year old, you have a lot of like bottomless days, you know, like a lot of days where you're just like, angsty or depressed or whatever so writing something that gives that self company as well um, Mm. also feels really important so these stories were sort of more on that range more than the like exciting horror stuff that i would have been stoked about but stuff Mm -hmm. that you know like in addition to horror and sci-fi and whatever else i read in high school i also read a lot of like Truman Capote and shit um that like helped bolster some of that loneliness um 
yeah, those those self-published collections are sort of more in that vein. This collection that I just finished is less horror and more just like weird fiction in general. So that one, you know, look for that on shelves in like 2024, okay. you know. Yeah, and um, got accepted into a couple of PhD programs. Yeah, I think I am going to start at one in the fall. I won't say where yet. Um, Because I'm still deciding. Um, Yeah. But is it it PhD in English or? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And my focus, you know, like I said, horror being used as sort of a a lens to talk about certain metaphors and and whatever. Mm -hmm. My hope is to really study grief and, and trauma in horror. Um, and how that mm. is manifested in in different horror stories and how that can be utilized. I mean, you know, a big one mm. from the last few years that people talk about. Well, a couple big, like Hereditary and Midsommar. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, both of those are such, and Midsommar especially, it feels like such a scream of getting mm. grief out and such a catharsis. And Hereditary too feels like mm-hmm. the darker side of that, <laughs> like a, yeah, like a yeah. scream inward, um, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, but I think with those narratives um, and narratives like that in general, I think people started to really pay attention to the ways that horror and trauma go hand in hand. Um, mm. I think in general, you know, stories are a diversion. And um, I'm a huge fan of Florence and the Machine. And she has this one song where she talks about how hard it is to write about being happy because happiness mm. is just you sharing a comfortable silence with somebody else or whatever it might be. Mm. And to have such an intense diversion as like horror or whatever, I don't know, it is, is just really powerful to me and always has mm. been. So oh, that's super interesting. You know, I think, yeah. I think Sam and Amanda, we should um, have, you know, Sam come out and talk at the alumni weekend in October up at Goddard. And then we can go to I mean, Northern New York, right? The Poughkeepsie all the way through Halloween and just hang out with Sam and write and, <laughs> and check out uh, the spooky, uh, you know, um, elements to that. So um, the horror elements to that, because um it's been wonderful to chat with you today, Sam, and to take us through that journey of, of your writing and your history. And um, yeah, it's been, been great to get to know where you, you, you've come from, your time at Goddard, and where you're going. That's exciting about the PhD programs, for sure. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And we're like a 45-minute drive from Sleepy Hollow, too. So I think that's oh, the yeah, other totally. We're just a spooky area in general. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're here for Halloween, let's just, Sleepy Hollow lives it up around Halloween. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, I know. And maybe maybe this year, because hopefully we are coming out of the pandemic that they can start having events and stuff. Yeah. I just Again. got my second shot. So I'm feeling. Congratulations. Yeah, That's awesome. That's awesome. I was also thinking about my my friend and our first guest on the podcast, uh, Mike Alvarez, uh, who also went through the MFA in creative writing. Uh, but I know him from the IMA at Goddard. And I know he is a big horror fan and he has a lot of experience with grief and trauma like like personally but like also um Mm. academically and so um i think i should get you guys together and talk oh that'd be great absolutely maybe maybe we can do like a group pod like sometime you know and have you guys sit down (laughs) that that would be amazing (laughs) that'd be fun yeah yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm so excited to see where you where you go next. Um, I can't wait to check out uh, your writing. And oh, so you. you 
The announcements of your writing are available on srebeline.com slash work. Can people buy through that link? Yeah, that's just, uh, it has all the things that have been published of mine. So you mm-hmm. can go to that link and you'll see sort of uh, listed down the page collections that I've self-published on Amazon, um, short stories that I've had in a number of magazines that some of them are free. You can just click on the link and read the story or you have to buy the issue. But, mm-hmm. you know, buying the issue, you're supporting a, a publication and I think, you know, businesses, small businesses like publications or whatever else across the board could really use the money now. So, but uh, the one that's coming out, um, I guess it'll, it will have been out when this lands, but that Planet Scum, which also I love being published in a place called Planet Scum. I know, um, that's so fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have a really cool looking paperback. So I'm excited to, to see that in person. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, that's awesome. And good luck on making your decision uh, with your PhD. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> When your when your book comes out, your your represented book, then you can come back and we can have a big old talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be fun. yeah, because like because that's work you started at Goddard too. Like, I mean, it's related. So yeah, yeah. And uh, just as a final word, I'll say that my first semester at Goddard, because I didn't quite know what I was doing. I just read a bunch of books that I had always heard of and never really explored. Like I had never read Dracula, um, oh, yeah. for example. Me neither. <laughs> um, but it's great. I don't, think I, I, I don't think I've seen it either. Oh no, <laughs> um, it's great. I mean, I think more than any other program, I had the the freedom to do that at Goddard. Um, mm. It's just explore and um, not feel like I was dicking around, you know, Mm -hmm. in other classes at other places where I've done that. I feel like when I've been doing my own project, there's still a sense that you're like not on the right track or like doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But I never had that occurred. Um, Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's something I think that like cuts across programs. Um, When, when my first semester, I, I was encouraged to read whatever I was interested in and that's actually when I picked up Stephen King's On Writing. Book. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I read that my G1 too. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> and That's it's awesome. not specifically about horror. Um, it's just no. about writing. And it's it's really good. Um, I, I still have it. I don't give, I don't loan it out because I've lost books before. And, and I've yeah. definitely uh, kept books before. But <laughs> that one specifically, I'll just buy it for someone if they're interested in it. Because it's like a staple for me, but yeah, no, that that is a great thing about Goddard, and glad you got yeah. to Dracula finally. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got around to it, yeah, yeah I got around to <laughs> it. and glad it was good. <laughs> yeah, but that's what, you know, I really felt like Goddard helped me develop my taste and my vibe, sure. which helped me, like you said, like own myself and my voice more than I felt like another program would, like more of a mm-hmm. factory program. Like here you go, here's what you study, now you're done. Um, yeah. You know, there was a lot of independence at Goddard that I really valued. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you so awesome. much for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sam, for being here today. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank great. you for having me. Yeah. Great. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our episode with Sam Rebeline. For more information, please check the show notes. Also, please sign up and check out our website at goddardalumni.com, including current projects that are coming up as we prepare for the Alumni Weekend, 
October 8th through October 11th, 2021. Check out for our special podcast episodes this summer. And we'll also be back in the fall with brand new interviews. Thanks for listening to Goddard in the World podcast. This podcast is a project of Goddard Alumni Council. It is produced and hosted by Casey Corona and Amanda Faye Laxon. It is edited by Amanda Faye Laxon. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or would like more information, please visit goddardalumni.com slash podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.